Gentlemen, welcome back to Fitbit Pod. My name is Ben Lomas, and with me always is Durok Jai Singer. Hello, Benjamin. Happy Melbourne Comedy Festival. It is yes. our final week of shows here in Melbourne, and it is nice to have <laughs> a former Melbourne resident, now Sydney Cider, join us for Fitbit, which is ironically, we're all in the same state, but we're still on Zoom. But that's yeah. the world we live in. Yeah. Please welcome one of my genuine favorite people and hilarious stand-up comedian, Sam Taunton. Hello, boys. Thank you. Clap me. I've, I Have I done this before? Oh, we tried to do it before. We tried to do this. I, yeah. I mean, I mean, I've been trying a couple of things. I've been trying to play golf with you for about five years. Where's the message, Lomas? You know, where's the message? Well, Even I'm, I'm Thornton the other night. We've, we've tried to do this because I'm the one who books the guests and I was made a point never to get you on. But today was... <laughs> no, I wanted um, to do it, you know. I yeah. wanted to be here. So it's a dream come true, guys. It's the best day of my life. To be, you know what I mean? It's up there with all your other achievements. But here's the thing. We have to kick it off with golf because there's so many golf threads that we need to tie up in. But um, mm. mainly you started saying that you listen to a golf podcast. Oh, I listen to like four golf podcasts, <laughs> which is so lame. But um, well, one golf it. podcast that I listen to, it's called Four Play Pod. Um, and it basically I just want to because there's where this sound quality of this is fucking horrific. Like you were doing this. How dare you? Like, How dare you? you? This is Do you know what I mean? Listeners I'm I, from a but, studio. But yeah, you're doing okay, love. Before we rang up, I was like, hey, I don't have a microphone. I was gonna go get one, and you're like, don't worry, we don't need one. And I was because like, you that, know why, Sam? <laughs> why? Our content, the quality is so superior. That's true. Who cares that about true. the 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 vehicle that it mm. comes in as long no. as the content is quality? And, al- and also, I fix everything in post. I'm a genius. So. You can't fix no microphone, Lomas. <laughs> Impossible. You sound, you sound fine, Sam. This is your classic. Don't like, don't um, undersell yourself. You're a yeah, exactly. Gun man. Well. Happy to my, have you. My point is this podcast called Foreplay, it's like part of that Barstool, you know Barstool Sports? Yeah, I do. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like a big kind of American sports brand online. Oh, okay. Yeah. And like heaps of podcasts and stuff. Like, like a podcast network. Okay. Yeah, but it's like an online network and stuff. But they have a huge podcast. Anyway, it's massive, this podcast. It has like like 3 million subscribers. Like their Instagram Jeez. channel is. And well, it is recorded. Way worse than this. Like, it is so much shitter. It's like everyone is talking into, like, a shitty Kmart headphone jack type microphone. Yeah, 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 and yeah. someone's always, like, outside in the wind. Like, yeah. it's just... Well, are they on the golf course? Well, no, some of them are. Like, they do it over Zoom. Some will be in cars. Some will be on golf. It's a fucking nightmare podcast. I listen to it every week. And it hurts your ears. Like, it hurts. And they've got so much money. They could make it so much better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. That's uh, Would you guys play. don't have any money? No. Uh, we no, have no Patreon listeners. Patreon listeners have been Patreon very good. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, exactly. So golfing is, when I think of uh, Sam Totten, I think, uh, you know, good rig, good, good, good mug, good mug, great stand-up comedian, but also golf. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, wait, hang on. I've got a cough. <coughs> Gee, you're joking on the, the fact person. that I complimented you and you're used to me being nice to you? No one's ever said Well, you've definitely never said that to me. No, yeah, I, I play I gotta I've keep played humble, golf. but that's my true thoughts. My true thought is I think you're a fucking... <laughs> um, um, golf. Yeah, you're like a, in terms of fitness. 
I played golf since I was so young, since 11. It was like my number one sport. I was going to turn pro. It was my dream. When yeah. I was 16, I was off a zero handicap, which is like Zero pretty, I mean, handicap. Now, for people who don't play golf, that is insane. Like, it is insane. You Can are, we you are... dissect that, please, for, for a non-golfer? I mean, I think I've heard it being used, Ben and Sam, for our non-golfing people. How would you describe what a All handicap right, you, is and, and how uh, having a zero handicap is an amazing thing? You explain well, it first, Sam, and then I'll dumb it down. <laughs> <laughs> well, basically a handicap, like in other things, like in, um, you know, horse racing or, you know, running or a lot of other sports, um, a handicap is something that equalizes everyone. So in golf, you play to a par. There's like a set par, which is kind of like what you should get. Most yep. golf courses, it's probably 70 or 72. Um, and your handicap is the amount of shots over the par that you play to. So basically... Okay, so a par is basically where how much you expect to have gotten the shots in. The yeah, average what like, gets Yeah, in. what like a professional should get on a... So if it's a par four... Yeah, um, you expect you, to get in four. You, yeah, but, if you, but it's like par is very hard to get. So most people probably play off a handicap. Especially if it's with a distant father. It's really hard to get. Well, thank yeah. you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That is the <laughs> kind of Sorry, content. Mate, the audio was content. so bad I didn't pick up on that one. Hence me not laughing. Sorry, mate. <laughs> oh, um, but, well. yeah, so um, I played off. I had no handicap, basically. So it was like there was zero. So it's you're so like, good. You're like, no, you fucking need to yeah. get this exactly. So, and the, and so the most people hand- probably play off like. Yeah, go on, Nomas. Well, the highest handicap is 32, isn't it? Like if you were to get a proper handicap, is it 32 or something? I think it's gone up to thirty six. I think you thirty six. So that's so. If I was to get a handicap, I would get it. I would get thirty six. So then, mm-hmm. if Sam and I would play, then I have a thirty six headshot start on Sam. Yeah, right. So he so starts thirty six shots ahead of me, <laughs> and so I'd you, probably still lose. <laughs> if the course is seventy two. That means that's 108 shots, and you'll you'll still beat Sam if he gets it less than 70. Yeah, so if I could shoot if, if I shot 74, yeah, or yeah. 73, and yeah. Um, yeah, you Ben shot shoots 108. 108. Yeah, which to be honest, you beat you beat me. Yeah, yeah but to be honest, 108 on an 18 hole golf course, I'd be pretty happy with that. Well, I mean, it's pretty <laughs> right. good to be honest. That's pretty good. Like if you don't play yeah. much. Like, like if you think that's, it, anywhere around 100 is pretty good if you don't play that much. But if I get under 100 on an 18 hole golf course, I, I feel like I've won the Masters. <laughs> like, well, no, you should because only 4% of the population breaks 100 when they go and play. There we go. I like, I like those stats. Yeah, I do like so those stats. They're know. great stats. But so, so the who, decide, who determines when your handicap and like, because I've heard people say, oh, my handicap has changed and blah, blah, blah. Is there a the golf, is there like a regi- registration? Yeah, so what do you do? Yeah, so you um you when you sign up to get a handicap if you're a member at a golf course, um or you can not be a member now. There's organisations that will hold it. Like there's a government yeah. board in Australia. Okay. Um, every time you play, you have to register when you're going to play, and you have someone ha- you have to play with someone else who has a handicap, and yeah. they have to mark your scorecard. So it's like you can't cheat because people cheat. Oh, <laughs> so like people phenomenal. Just like, yeah. So and so someone has to hold you accountable, and every time you play, you submit a card. But it's not as formal as that kind of sounds. It's like a lot of golf clubs i'll have the members competitions in the mornings where you just play you score 
you play for, you know. Whatever, and and, the, and those member games. competitions, you never know because when you're like a hack like me and then you call up three mates and go, let's play golf, and then you get down to the golf course but you haven't booked and then you realise it's ladies' day and the members are oh, playing, yeah. you're fucked because then you've got to wait around till 12 o'clock until you can hit a ball. <laughs> they will walk you off the golf course. like having ladies around at a golf club. Is that what you're saying? No, uh, it's just ladies' days first. will fuck you up. You no, cannot no, no, you cut it first. Golf you, is not for women. Ben Lomas. <laughs> you can't. I remember <laughs> once. I remember once. I came there and I said, "Is it okay if we just start a bit earlier?" And is I it just okay got taken. if you guys going back into the kitchen? Okay. <laughs> they, they took me down. They took us both down. I was like, "No, it's it's our competition." I was like, "Okay, fine." Okay. Yeah, well, and, and ladies' days are always like because I've worked in golf courses for years before I did comedy. They're always. Like on an annoying day during the week. It's always a Thursday Tuesday. or a Tuesday. It's a yeah, Tuesday. when you're like when you're like, there'll be no one there. And then you get <laughs> no. there and there's hundred and eighty <laughs> ladies all above the age of seventy who do not like you. They all hate do you. Not like, like you. you. They walk you into the car park. They're like, You gotta get out of here. You yeah, can't. It's time to leave. It's time to leave. Um, <laughs> to be fair, every day is a ladies' day with Sam Taunton. So, right? so, oh, so that's but that uh, can I before we I like move on from this particular area? Uh, does it go the other way? So thirty six being the highest handicap. Can you be if you're like elite pro golfer? Is it going to like negative or whatever? Or is yeah, so they call it plus. So I got down to plus. The lowest I got to was plus three. Oh wow! When I was really good. So again, yeah. in that seventy-two example that we use of the par of the course, uh, that means sixty-nine. Hello. Uh, mm. If you got anything, yeah, like you're expected to get it in sixty-nine. Is that the meaning of it? Yeah, so if Lomo wow. shot 107, I'd have to shoot then. But uh, what's the. And if we were, and if I'd we have to play. shoot 68 to Todd. That's <laughs> fucked. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but so, this. But- yeah, go. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So John Daly and all those um, those guys. Uh, that's your uh, reference, John Daly. John that's, Daly. That's, 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 that's the best golfing say, reference. I just tried to find someone different to Tiger Woods because it was so obvious. And who's the shark? What's his name? Greg Norman. Uh, Greg, Norman. Greg Norman. Right, so Huge I know those three. That guy. But yeah, well, you know, but but it, so easy and rig as well. But yeah. what would they be in their peak career? Like, say, Tiger Woods. Oh, would have so, been. yeah, pretty low because the courses they play are tricked it's up. so hard. Like, they're quite hard. Like, I've played... I used to be a member. Is at, that tricked um, up as in like where the mouth closes and opens and you try to get the ball before it goes <laughs> The in. crazy clown comes out and steals the ball. Um, no, they're just set up, like they're set up tough, those. Um, like, especially like if you watch so the Masters at the plus, moment. They'd, they'd still be plus, but like. Yeah, they still five. shoot under par. If they played a normal members course though, it, it'd be dead. Like I'm talking probably like plus six, plus seven, yeah, which wow. is ridiculous to be that under par. Like I used to play at... Um, uh, a golf course in Sydney called Bonnie Doon. I was a member there, and it's um, pretty going good. But to Bonnie Doon. Totally, it was weirdly named that. I still have no idea what it was called that. But um, it was in that the kind of Group One courses up there, like the late Sea Australian, which hosts the Australian Open all the time. Oh, and wow. um, so I used to play those, and I'd play amateur events at all those, and like they're pretty tough, even just on a members comp day. Like so, this, for the pros you... to play, they're tricked up. When the greens are quick, they grow the rough. It's like. Right. Um, I think it's a whole nother. That's like why I never made it. There was like, I was a really good golfer, but there's like another level up that is just elite where it's like so far up. And it's all mindset and it's like, yeah, it's on on another level. Does this make any sense to you when you're talking about tough golf courses, Sam and Ben? Uh, The first time I picked up a, 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 what's it called, a club and I have played a proper golf course as opposed to a party, you know, driving range or anything. The first time I was on a course, was Barn Bugle Dunes. Oh, shut which up. Which apparently is one of the best and hardest golf really courses. Hard. 
Well, it's not even one of the. I mean, it's one of the best in the world. It's like top really? twenty, top Stunning. fifty it's in beautiful. the world, and it's yeah. so hard. I haven't played it. I've been meaning. I'm organizing a trip to go down with some mates and play. Mate, I fucking hit it off a cliff. Uh, I was facing the other direction, but somehow I shanked it so badly, it spun around and went to with the water. Um, <laughs> Why did you also, play it? Uh, I was maggot. I think I was. It oh. was uh, the Hawks play in Launceston uh, about four games a year. The and my friends and I, you do an annual trip to uh, Tassie to see the Hawks. Yeah. And one particular trip, we decided to do a golfing session there, eighteen holes. And by the way, if you're shit at golf, eighteen holes is way too long. Yeah, it is it's, way too if long. If you're shit at it, like if you're good, great, you can get it done. But oh my god. But that's why, but, like but, around a course like that, you would lose a like the rough yeah, is yeah. so high and it's and windy. That, uh, and that's oh, the thing, totally. you'd lose so many on, on a really good golf because sometimes just getting to a really good golf course, having your clubs, they're all clean, your mates are there, you're like, we're playing one of the most beautiful courses, and then by the third hole, you're like, this is fucked, why are we playing 18? <laughs> I want to go home, I want to go to the pub. <laughs> like, it's just, sometimes the anticipation of the golf is actually more fun than the actual golf. 100%. It's such a weird thing because it's like, Hard to know whether you're having a fun time when you're playing. Yeah. Honestly, then, it's a weird sport. And, and Torrance, did you grow up playing <laughs> playing it with your dad? Did, is the that day for me. It's, the hard, it's hard to know whether you're having fun when you're playing. <laughs> it's true. I'm not even joking. No, it's not joking. The, and then you finish and afterwards you're like, what a great day. Even if you play badly, like it was fun to be out there. But during it, you're in this like mental, but you're like, what the fuck is going on? And also, wow. like, especially if you're with friends, so like, say you're on the fourth hole and you've kind of, you know, maybe you've parred like one or two, which in my, if you par one in the first four holes, you are having the greatest game of your life. But then to oh, the totally. right of you is your mate who has just gone eight, nine, and then 10. And by the yeah. third hole, he doesn't even want to talk. He just doesn't want to talk because yeah. he knows he can't hit a ball. And it's just. Friend, it. People get really sad as well. On the yeah, it's like, and then and then anything will piss them off. So like, if you're having a game and then someone just phone goes just before they tee off, fights can be had. Like, oh it's yeah. Just like, like it's just on for young and old. And that's I why remember, I, yeah, yeah, once a, a guy didn't talk to me for like two weeks, like a good friend of mine, because <laughs> in his backswing, I took my glove off and the sound of the bell went <laughs> like that. And he like shanked it and he turned it and he was like, what the fuck was that? And I was like, I'm sorry, man. And then he just, he walked off and didn't talk to me for two weeks. It's just because that's what my my dad used to do. Like I remember because I I grew up playing golf with my dad and we used to play at a golf course called Royal Park, which is just near the Melbourne Zoo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just the the fifty five tram goes through it. Yeah, so the, so it's great because also when you take to, like like friends from overseas, a train goes through it. It's next to a zoo, and so does a tram. Like it's the most bizarre golf course. But then one... you know who is um? Do you know who Peter Thompson, five time yeah. British Open champion, started at Royal Park Golf Club? Yeah, Won the club it, championship there. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's insane. Like, and then to think that that and that and then it's so funny because then I played with my dad, and I remember he'd get really frustrated. And we were playing out. I think it was out in Wood End or something. And I'll never forget this. It's like you lose a lot of balls, so you got to make sure you got a, like a lot of balls. I remember one day we were in front of a water, and I was like, I remember my dad would get frustrated playing golf, and then he hit one into the water, and like we're on the fourteenth hole, and he goes, he drops another ball, hits it into the water. Oh, oh Tim like, Cup Drops another ball, hits it, and, and and then I was like, he's hit three balls in the water. He's way over. Drops one more, hits into the water head, and goes, grab your bags, we're going home. Didn't even finish the game. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even finish the game. I was like, oh, I was having a decent game. He's like, nah, get in your car. We were done at the 14th hole. Just went home. Oh, my home. God. That's the, what you dream of doing. That's what I always want to do. I stick it out, though. 
the refinement between like being really competent and great and then that elite it's just such a literal millimeter difference in 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 stuff but the effort that goes into to elevate yourself must be ridiculous right well it's tight but i've spoken to other people who are quite good like comedians like you know ben caution yeah yeah was like a really good tennis player and he's still a yeah. tennis coach yeah and he was like ranked in the junior circuit and stuff and he just talked about like that it was just too much mentally that kind of just like that it's just like just being a touch below it not having the thing to push through and so he ultimately just had to kind of well same um, with ash williams we had yeah, ash, ash williams on the pod he was a tennis guy who's playing in the you know the younger level seemed to be you know on track and then it's just you hit an age where you realize what the effort required to make it to that level yeah versus like even the person who's ranked 99th in tennis is gonna be an absolute gun but it sounds like there's shit the 99 oh my god there's a nice so many there's 98 people better than you man you must be shit it's like you're the 99 in the world oh well that's like oh, there's so many people i used to play amateur golf with and junior golf with that were kind of pretty good like the best like better than me but like you know really good and they've turned pro and they're like doing like they might be on an asian tour somewhere but you've never heard of it like and they yes. were like as good as i've ever seen do you know and what they, I mean? And they need hardcore sponsorship to stay alive on that. On, totally. Like, that, that's what crazy me as well. You can be, like, the best of the best in your club, then even in the state, and then you hit, like, a tour that ne- no one's ever heard of, but you need some old guy and some sponsorship to just stay alive. And yeah. you, can come, you can play a whole year, everything covered, and then come back earning no money. <laughs> totally. And that's what the pressure really gets big then because it's like you're playing for prize money, but you're also playing to, like – keep going do you know what i mean yeah. so you have these but stay relevant yeah so in, yeah, when you like have a, doing yeah. a melbourne comedy festival show <laughs> yeah, no. i mean there are a lot of similarities too a lot of similarities um when you're like yeah you're up on stage bombing and you're like i need this to go well otherwise yeah. i don't think they'll, they'll yeah. not let me do the next one you, you can't look at the tech and say pack the bags we're going home <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you can't 40- say we're say, we've run out of microphones we can't do the show anymore do a drop instead of a ball drop into a microphone Drop. Yeah. <laughs> no, you you drop the microphone and then grab the stand and then just hit it. <laughs> oh, um, but, but um, yeah, I'm there's obsessed a, with, I'm yeah, obsessed keep with going. mindset though. Tell me what the mindset was like. And there was a time when you was conceivable that you could go pro, right? There was genuine evidence to back that up and a self belief. And then something tipped over. What age was it when you tipped over? When you said. I don't think I can do this or I'm not going to do this. And how did you feel acknowledging that? Because that must have been a kind of a tough thing for a, for someone to go through, to acknowledge that this version of themselves that they thought they were setting themselves up for wasn't um, going to be a reality. You mean failure. It sounds like how did you go through it? <laughs> well, it depends if you look at it failure. as a failure. Such a nice way to I, go. I, when do you realize you didn't have it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's how you define failure, because obviously for me, I would see that and go, well, then you went on to do stand-up comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's part all, of a win. You know yeah, I mean? it's all worked out. I, um... It was like, there so a moment? Was, was there a moment? It was pretty consent, like, because I was on, you know, I was in the state junior teams. I was playing, uh-huh. like, all the tournaments. Like, we were we were talking to, like, colleges um, about going to American college. Like, that was the option. As a golf, uh, for, 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 uh, with a golf scholarship. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I mean, that is kind of one regret that I might have is that I didn't do that. Um, but um, I, I, but I was like, no, I'm going to play amateur golf in Australia, then turn pro. And 
so you play all the tournaments and you, you turn pro mm. and then you have a crack on the Australian tour. My big fallback was always I could just become a club pro. Do you know what I mean? And just mm. be like a teaching pro, work in pro shops. Which the equivalent uh, of just doing the comics lounge all the time. That yeah. is- <laughs> no, no, but it, that's what it kind of is. Like club pros are some of the saddest people I've met. Like, yeah, well, there's a real spectrum. I mean, if you're at a, if you're in a good place, it's great. But otherwise, a lot of them, there's a lot of sadness there. I think with a lot of club pros and yeah, you know, just because they, they want to be on the barrels with our life in comedy with this. <laughs> Well, it actually more professional is, at what they do, but they're still very sad because it's like the corporate the level. The, the cruise ships are the club pros. <laughs> right. right, it's so true. I, I will not stand for any knocking of cruise ships. Cruise ships are great fun and a great. I mean, we've money. done a cruise ship together, too. Yeah, we did. My mom and dad was on it. We yeah, I did it. Later. It was great. Um, but okay, yeah. So there is oh, that yes. level. So and then I um I, I remember getting a bit older. And then age? what age? what is all I'm just trying to get it because I don't know so, well. So I got through my junior golf at 17. I was in the state team. So I turned I turned 18. I was like, I'm gonna start playing junior golf. So and then trying to play like a few pro events as well. So um, which ones did you so play? There's a big thing about amateur and professional in golf where it's like they're very separate. Like mm-hmm. amateurs can be invited to play in pro tournaments. It's that occasionally they play in a few, but those you can't those earn pro any pro am, what they call pro am tournaments. They have pro ams and stuff, but that's more for like club golfers to play with okay. pros. But you can play, but you can't earn any money. The minute you earn money, you have to declare yourself a professional, and then it's a nightmare because then you can't play anywhere else. Oh, it's, it's like be. raw but, comedy. Yeah, but exactly right. And <clears> then if you have no status. As a pro, you just can't play anywhere, basically. Ah, um, fuck. So, right. Yeah, so it's like it's like being like I can't go back to an open mic, basically. Right, being right. So you're caught mic. in this in between world where you're good enough to be not amateur, but you're not good enough to be able to afford to play pro. Yeah, I was doing that, and I was playing a bunch of amateur events. I was playing tennis, and then I think just at the time, like I slowly began to dawn on me that I was like, I don't think I have the to be on the top level. Do you know what I mean? Like. I'd been noticing improvements, dramatic improvements. I'd been winning tournaments and stuff, but then it kind of was getting to a point where I was like, I don't think I'm getting any further up. And then my kind of interest changed. I became a little bit different of a person. Oh, my- interest is different. Cause that's obviously coming from internally. But when you said, I don't think I have it, was it looking at, against other people and what they were doing? Um, yeah. One of the things, for example, let me just frame this in an example when I was of my biggest failure was accounting right I had set myself up to become an accountant I'd started so like studying really hard to be going to the corporate world and like a week into it I was like fuck I'm in the wrong industry and I've set myself up for 40 years of this and the stats that I started looking at as to why I think I'm in the wrong place or I am not going to make it quote unquote is I could see what was coming easy to everyone else was really hard for me but more importantly, I did not give a shit about the things that they gave a shit about. So it was the boring minutiae that they were into that I wasn't into. Whereas I would obsess over the the Lonely Island album by the SNL yeah. guys. You know, I would I'd be thinking about I'm like, wow, every song is a different type of rap thing. And I'll be trying to obsess over that. So that minutiae of comedy was something that I was just naturally always thinking. But the minutiae of, of accounting was something I just could not give a fuck about. Mm-hmm. And I saw the people around me, like I'd be in the office from 7.30 in the morning till nine o'clock at night. And then people like Suren, who I'd worked with, Suren Jayamana, uh, he would get there like 8.30 and leave at 6 because he just was kind of, he was able to get the same amount of work done in a short amount of time. Not because he was, but he just cared. Like he just, he didn't mind the boring yeah. stuff. So was there an equivalent of that for you that you yeah. looked at golf? Well, I think that's when um, I started 
to realize because I, I noticed myself starting to give up on the golf course a bit. Like if things started to go bad, it's a really mental game and it's all about kind of staying focused. And the problem is it goes for like an 18 hole round goes for five hours and it's five hours where you're just on and you're stuck in your head and it's so competitive. Wow. And I felt that I probably wasn't as competitive as you needed to be to do it. And I have a very vivid memory. I was playing pennants. I was like 18 18, I was getting probably close to 19. I've been playing amateur golf. I was playing pennants for my team. We are playing, I think we are playing Liverpool at New Brighton Golf Course in Sydney. And I was just getting fucking smoked. I was like four down through 12 holes. And I was just like in my head. I, I, I love like, it nah, that that I is smoked. Fight. I love it that that is smoked. That's like No, I insane. was getting smoked. <laughs> no, it is. It's It was bad, Lomas. It was bad. And, um, and I remember being like, I'm done. I don't want to do it anymore. And um, I think I played one more event after that, and then um, then I went to uni, uh, and then I was like, I, I was like, I'm out completely. And then I, now my relationship with golf is so much more fun because there's no competitiveness to it, mm. and I I really like it. My favorite thing to do is like go play like nine or twelve holes in the evening, like after everyone's finished work. Yeah, we we'll get golf carts and we play for money. And it's just like, it's it's so much more enjoy. And you like heckle your friends and like, I have so much more fun with that now than I used to when, um, I think that I couldn't handle the, comp- I don't think I'm competitive enough a person to make it, you know, like you watch The Last Dance, like Michael Jordan yeah. and you're like, yeah. he's a psycho. Like, yeah. but yeah. I think to be truly good, you've got to be that kind of person, you know? And especially, like and, esp- you know, and things like that. It's like sociopathic, some of the behaviors that you have to yeah. do in order to get that great. But would you see this towards is like, especially in golf, it's like, yeah, you need that competitive edge. You then have to work on not just one aspect of your game, but there's like everything from putting, chipping, short game. Like you have to concentrate on so much that the idea that you can concentrate at that elite level for five hours while then also being competitive. Like, was there a point where, yeah. was it one shot where you just went like, you know, was there a part of your game that you went, oh no, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't want to work on this anymore. Like, you know what I mean? Like, well, I, I always really liked the practice and stuff. I always like practice. I used to get up every morning before school and hit golf balls for like three hours, go to school. Then I'd leave school early most days. The principal was a keen golfer, so he didn't really give a fuck. Like I used to play with him in the members comp on a Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> so he would he would drive me from school, tell my teachers not to worry about second and third, or oh, fifth and sixth period, drive me and would go play golf. And so then I'd be at golf course on weekends all the way. All the stuff about it I really liked. Honestly, it was like, it would exhaust you mentally being for me for me all roads lead back to comedy so to use the analogy is it the equivalent of like loving writing and and creating content but it was too much to kind of execute it as a as a perform it to me it was like just never a never-ending edinburgh fringe festival it was just like (laughs) your head is just you're just like you just got too much in okay so that five hours of intense mental toughness sounds horrendous and I can understand why that's you know not an attractive prospect for the rest of your life but whether there are things that you do to kind of work on that's obviously like you know say for example if you're if you're playing footy you know you need to have stamina blah 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 but for the mental stamina was there things that you had rituals or anything like that that helped? yeah so in all this i had like we all had sports psychologists and stuff like when we were doing yeah like, and, um, and, and particular and you have and you have sports psychologists that are purely dedicated to golf this is why i find yeah, completely golf so we had things that were and because their big goal is to try to turn people off do you know what i mean like because so you'd have these things like you'd have a bubble and stuff so it's like you weren't allowed to think about your shot till you were like within 10 meters of your ball because otherwise 
like from the tea to say you've hit it in the trees you are just like an anxious mess being like where's oh, the ball and yeah. like, do you yeah, know what yeah. i mean how and you know so, the tree am i have gonna slice it what the fuck am i gonna and then it's all like and it's all wasted mental preparation because you can't actually decide what shot to hit or imagine it till you get to the ball and you actually see what's in front of you so i have be all such these... a neuroscience hard on right now so please please now break this shit down tell us about that stuff i love this shit oh well this is where it goes and then you have to have like all these pre-shot routines so it's like where yeah. you have to do to the point where it was timed like from the minute i pulled the club out of my golf bag and decided what shot to hit it was like 28 seconds till i hit the ball and it was exactly the same every time because the whole thing was like um you had to try to like if everything could be the same every time if the process is the same because all you can control is the processing you can't control where the ball goes right once it hits the ground it's anyone's guess right but all you can yeah. control is the process of you hitting the shot so you had right. to try to make sure all the variables um were exactly the same every time so you'd have these pre-shot routines and the amount of positive self-talk like just before you'd hit the ball you'd have to have like a positive affirmation in your head before you hit it because negativity kills golf that's why people get the yips have you heard of the yips yeah i saw it in a curb your enthusiasm episode yeah and it's where this like negativity kind of takes over you and you physically can't hit the shot you can't like, hold it your grip you goes fucked yeah right. and it just and you can't do it like it takes over and and, and it ru- it's ruined professional golf it's like they can't wow. do it and it kind of happens in tennis with serving as well and like um you, that's kind of seen at afl with people kicking for golf a lot of the time they get it and it mental takes over. So the mental step side of it, these sports psychologists, like it was crazy, like how much prep we would do about the thought process and how trying to switch off and how like you'd finish your round and then you just have to kind of like quickly, like we would do like a quick summation of notes of the round. Like did, did we achieve the things we wanted to achieve? Like were there, did we hit all the objectives? Like were we happy with the shots? And um, yeah, I mean, it was um, it was interesting. It's a very interesting stuff. So I've, I've got I just got uh, one question. Go, is I lived in the Netherlands. I lived with a guy who was studying psychology and focused purely on on golfers. And so then he would really? go. So yeah. So his internship is he'd go out with golfers in the oh Netherlands, and there weren't too many. But he had one thing, which I don't know if this is right. But I said, look, can you give an example of what you do? And he said that sometimes with a golfer is, especially when you're trying to hit to the green, it's like you are aiming for the tiniest little round, like round hole. And then he said that what he would do is to get their frame of thinking is he just get them to picture the hole being bigger. So he said that like if, if the golfer was then aiming for it and then landed it in the more bigger hole, which was closer to the little hole, it'd give them more confidence when leading up to putt. And I was oh just like, God. I was just like, at the time, I was like, how do you do that? And he said that in Holland, there's only like two golf courses. So he would just go around and just sit there. Like you said, it's like affirmation after affirmation after affirmation, but then also picturing and visualizing what the shot's going to be. So when they eventually, the shot came to fruition, especially on the green, because you've got more consistency where the ball's going to land. And then after that, yeah. I was just like, but then I, at the, and that, if I think about it, that's over 22 years ago to think that there was already a key. Like that was a path that he wanted to go down to to work with professional golf. It's crazy. Also, in a place where there's two golf courses, it doesn't yeah. sound like it's going to get a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And in Holland, if you want to play golf, this always cracks me up. You have to do a test. It's like your driver's license. You have to get your golfer's license. I love that. Before you, you get a driver's license. Thank you. The Thank dri- you. The driver's. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and then, when I got up there, they said, "Do you have your golf license?" I said, "No." And they're like, <laughs> "Oh, where are you from, Australia?" Like, "Oh, you'll be fine." <laughs> oh, get in here. That's great. My but question- that is. 
is so much of it. Oh, sorry, Dylan. No, 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 you go, you go. That is so much. No, I was going to say that visualization thing was the biggest thing we all used to work. Like you would sit yeah. there and you'd like in, like I wouldn't be allowed to hit a shot until I had visualized the exact shot I wanted we to hit. We did, um, we did a Patreon episode, me and Ben exclusively about the our concept of visualization and, and, uh, you know, and there was that recent, that, that test they did with these people practicing basketball shots that the people who practiced, you know, two hours a day uh, versus the people who just visualized it for two hours a day had a very similar increase in progress. Really? Yeah. It's not to say that to eliminate practice, but it also showed the power of just visualization and the effect that it can have compared to yeah. the control well, they- study, which was the, to, the group that didn't do either practice or, or, or visualize. Like it was such an increase in both practice as well as visualization. But my question about the sports psychology stuff, Tons, is so obviously all our listeners and myself included aren't necessarily going to, you know, be golfing and trying to do that. But oh, yeah. what are the things that you learn from that, that sort of introspection about, you know, your, your mindset and stuff that you now still apply to say comedy or day to day or relationships or whatever? Like what are the things that you've taken, your take, uh, takeaway points? Well, I feel like there's similarities in comedy. I feel like because performing, the, I, when I especially do our shows, I always feel that to me that is a similar mindset. Or maybe only because my background is from playing golf, that I do feel like they're a similar thing. Like whenever I'm doing comedy shows and doing hours, I always have to like remind myself to stay in the present in the same way that like I would on the golf course. And like one of the big things when you used to play golf and you'd have bad holes, like you'd have to kind of reinforce that that is in the past. You can't control, all you can control is what happens in the future. And yeah. you, you've seen me do stand up. I, you know, bomb quite a lot. So like when I'm um, out there, to, <laughs> come on, you have to laugh. Otherwise people are going to be like, what's he talking about? Um, uh, but no, like, and also I'm you always expect like, like, like other men to go, no, babe, you're great. Yeah. yeah. Like, Either of no, you no. just nodded and you're like, that's yeah, no, but correct. It's, but it's yeah, because no. we all bomb. Like that's the thing that people don't oh, understand. No, totally. It's like, like the average punter might assume that we just, you know, you see the comedy festival shows and assume it's flying every night, but it's like, you only get there by bombing hard in open mics in the lead up to it. You know, yeah, bombs. I do. I have to admit, I have compared when I do crowd work, and then you try to do a bit of crowd work, and you get a horrific answer that just derails it. I have genuinely thought that's like when you slice it like four four fairways across. Yeah, like I've yeah, genuinely yeah. thought that was like the recovery from this now to get back to the hole is going to be <laughs> another fucking four questions and a couple of punchlines before I even get to the fucking green. That's the funniest analogy because <laughs> yeah. it so is. You're like four fairways over and you're like, this yeah. will take me so long to get back so to where long. I need to be. Ben's <laughs> so handicap funny. with crowd work is 36. <laughs> Absolutely. But I honestly think that like the best the reason i um am good like especially at crowd work and stuff is just from playing golf with old men growing up and not knowing what to talk about so i'd be like hey what do you do for a job i'm not no, even joking no, i think no, the, no, the I social totally a- believe you. Yeah, yeah the social aspect of golf and then working in golf courses as like a kid as well and then even when i was at uni and stuff right. just like having to chat to people i honestly think that like helped my comedy as much as anything else in my life right. which is so funny cr- the Best crowd work really is one is a comic who is just actually present and listening as yeah. opposed to trying to, you know, throw by in material or whatever. Right. Absolutely. And so that makes sense though. If like, if golf has so much influence in being in the moment and not worrying about what just happened and just whatever, what's there in the future, 
that makes so much sense why crowd work would be not easier for you, but is something that you do better than the average person. Do you know what I mean? Like that's why you're good at it is because you're able to actually stop and listen. And then, as you said, the experience with talking to people and having to keep the ball up in the air, but also something I think that you said that is really vital and really struck a chord with me is the thing about realizing you can only control what's actually in your control yeah because the rest of it is once the ball's gone as you said it's just you know it's out of your control but for me i have a real tough time uh back in the day i'm getting better at it over time is after a bad gig switching that off or like yesterday i was saying ben i made an error yeah like in one of my setups just the punchline just that crushes got nothing and turns out i said you know three times a year as opposed to three times a day which changed the context of the yeah, whole yeah yeah and this morning I woke up in bed going, fuck, I can't believe I made that mistake. I'm like, who gives a shit? That happened in the past. It literally happened more than 12 hours ago. Why are you still obsessing over it? So I'm trying to get better at learning to ignore the past and, and, and not ignore the past, but learn from the past. But, you know, now focus on what's in the future. Totally. But it's so funny because that's exactly right. Because I do the same stuff. Like I'll, I'll stuff something up and I'll like berate myself for it. But it's like, you are totally right. You can only control it's, I think especially with comedy, it's funny because it's like to the audience that is just one laughter point. But to you, it's like a big thing you've worked on, but they don't care if it's a laugh from someone dropping a glass. And half the, the time room. they don't even notice. Yeah, half the time they wouldn't even know, but it hangs on with you. That's the thing I learned from golf because you could hit a shank into a tree and then hit the next best shot of your life and you still make a par or whatever. Right. And, it's, and it's completely gone. It's in the past. And that's what I try to just take away in comedy being like, the, like you can always recover. You know. And that's right. but that's the comparison to comedy is actually really good because it happens a lot. You shank it into the trees, right? You are, yeah. you are, and then for some reason you are like, "There's no way in hell I'm going to curve it around this gum tree, somehow avoid that bunker, and land on the green." Yeah. But if your recovery shot is amazing and you land on the green, it is one of the best feelings. That oh, totally. last shank, you've completely forgotten about. It, it. is crazy. You're so right. It's crazy how quick it disappears out of It mind. disappears. So quick. And it's just that kind of thing where it's like it's pretty much when you're doing crowd work and you get someone and they give you nothing and it fucks you and then you move across and then it's like, oh, what do you do? And he's like, I'm a scuba diver. And you're like, brilliant, I'm back. Here we go. I've got something yeah. to work with. Because, you know, Lomas, that's such a good point because it's similar in the way that when you play golf, you live and die by each shot. So all you care about is each shot. When yeah. you do comedy, it's each laughter point. So you're just going to each laugh. As long as you get, like, that's the only thing that's focusing on. So if you miss the laughter there or you miss a shot, if you get the next one, you're back in the game. Who cares about the yeah. one and then if you And if you land a birdie, man, that's a round of applause. Oh, yeah, that's a big clap. <laughs> big clap. That's just like, and for people like amateurs, like when I do get a birdie, and I think it's been at least two years since I've got a birdie, it is it's one of those moments. You mean amateur week- golf or amateur comedy? Which one are you talking about? <laughs> well, he does both. So. For both. Both. <laughs> but, it's that, but it's the same thing where it's like when you when you putt something, because that's what cracks me up as well. It's like like you were saying, it's like, it's a golf is a real social game, but also you're playing with people's emotions throughout that period. So if you're hanging yeah. with like th- your three strangers who are two generations older than you, how you're talking to them at the start of the game to when they're in a bunker and they've had six shots, you got to be really careful. <laughs> you got to you got to really go. You know, I don't totally. 
this, you know, like if, I've, I remember playing with old guys when I was like younger, and you'd team up. And I remember my dad like talking to this old guy, and the way I, even then as a kid, I remember just going, "Dad, he doesn't want to be spoken to. He's been in the bunker for like six shots, and telling him everything will be okay." I already knew it was condescending at the age of fifteen. Everything <laughs> will be okay. That's that is that is bad chat. That's bad. That stuff. is bad chat. Like it is. It is everything will a... be. Imagine being stuck in a bunker and someone comes up and yeah. pats you on the back. Everything will be okay. <laughs> you throw the sandwich at them. Yeah, totally. You said sandwich. I thought you said sandwich. I'm like, does there sandwiches on the grid? Well, deal. There's some food there. You'd like um, it. There's little. But also for people cuts. for people who don't play golf, is when you land in the bunker. The psychology behind that is amazing because it also it's a reminder of where you are at in your game. Because some people will land in a bunker and go, well, "That's okay. I know how to do this." But other people yeah. like me, I land in a bunker and I'm like, it. it also, you, you try not to think about the psychology. It's like. I don't know how I'm going to get out of here. Like, I literally, am I going to be here the whole, you, you get what, you, you're supposed to stop after 10 shots, but it's yeah. like, I, how do I do it? Like, I remember it was like, and then you trick yourself and go, oh, that's what I need to practice on. But when you're an amateur, right. you barely have time to play golf yeah, anyway, totally. especially with two kids. You're just like, okay, well, you know, good luck to me. But it's just I, like. I, I would love to give you a bunker lesson, Lomas. Oh, once, you, once you work it, it's not that difficult. Like, you know, getting it out is very easy. Yeah, but you know, you, you scratch your feet in the ground, you open the club face still, it doesn't fucking work. <laughs> um, I mean, you're not far off, that's pretty good. <laughs> Chance, you, you talked about having like minimizing the variables before a golf shot and how you don't think about the ball until you get there, whatever those, those little yeah. things that you had for yourself. And then you have 28 seconds before all of that. I loved it. Do you have versions of that now with comedy? Do you have a pre show ritual that you oh. try and stick to or not think about the show till you're. No, I do no. think about it. I'm a bit nerdy, like, especially solo shows. I'll write like I'll write notes before I do a show a lot of the time like things like I want to just like reminders like things well, what I you want to do that night yeah like objectives oh, okay. in the same way that I might have when I used to play sports like yeah. being like um you know always like have fun stay loose go with the you know all these kind of dumb sure. reminder things and like if anyone ever found this notebook I would I would kill myself probably it's funny I was <laughs> watching Damien Powell talk about that his gratitude journal he thinks oh. it's one of the best thing that has helped him but also if anyone finds it <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh. it's so embarrassing some of the stuff deal is like especially this year it's been like it's such i've even written in there like it's such an honor to be back performing like imagine 100 like, agree you know like in but the, that's the same in, thought i've had myself going it is a genuine privilege to get to do this again but it's so wanky when you frame it like that but I'm trying no, to lean so into bad. it. I'm leaning but, into the positivity, man. Fuck, after last year, who gives a shit? Like, I'm no, a positive but, person in general. But yeah, now I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. guys, we, this is all we have. Tonight is our potentially <laughs> our only night because it can get cancelled tomorrow because of fucking viral, you know, infections. Yeah. Toby, but I, I have that as well because, like, if, if I think about it, like the darkest moments in lockdown was like, well... You know, is this it? Like, is this is stand up gone? And I'll never forget this. I, it was the first time I looked at my resume for eight years since I just oh went full time, and I was like, you know, and I got two kids. You know, yeah. you, you know, you got bills to pay. You're just like, you know, it's not just me. And I remember like going through my resume, and I was like, gee, there's a big eight year gap since I became a professional <laughs> comedian. I was like, gee, I haven't really done many online courses since then. And as I was going through it, I was that thing. I was like, God, maybe it was a great run. Like I was trying to be grateful, but then I'll never forget this, and it just shows how how strong my relationship is, is that my partner, Maya, just tapped me on the shoulder and go, what the fuck are you doing? And I was like, oh, well, just because, you know, stand-up's all gone. Like, she goes, I spent four years getting you out 
of town planning so you do comedy full-time. Please, for the love of God, I don't care if you become a full-time dad. I don't care if you change tours. But whatever you do, don't go back to the thing you don't like. And who knows? Give it time, it might come back. So now, every night when I go there, and I'm sitting there because I'm doing a show with Josh Earl, that we both get up there, and because we're both parents who are like, fuck, this is about to go, that we are having so much fun purely because... It was it was pretty much gone. I was pretty much convinced that it was going to be done. And now every night, even if the show doesn't go well, like I'm just like I'm still genuinely grateful that it's a packed house and people want to be there. It is like you are right. Like, and it probably feels like we're over exaggerating now, but everyone was like, I don't think it'll come back. You know, everyone was yeah. just like, I don't think comedy, which is crazy to think now because we're back festivals, especially when you see how this festival's gone. But like. Everyone so dramatically was like, maybe my job doesn't exist anymore. And I'm sure that's probably natural. No, it's it's not based, work. it's not unwarranted that thinking because February 18th, I was meant to open in Adelaide with Tono and February uh, 15th, it was cancelled. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's how soon we got to Adelaide Fringe and it was pulled. And then the next day, like, oh, actually we, we can go as, you know, exemptions or whatever. But that, that feeling is real. Like for all of us, everything we're doing right yeah. now, the comedy festival, I have a great sense of like, this could be the last night. So yes, the, you know, the rest of the run sold out, but they all could just get refunded and it's all gone. You can't guarantee anything. Like yeah. it's fucking scary, but as scary as it is, I found a lot of benefit in using it, in using that fear to go, well, okay, that is a reality that exists. So therefore I'm going to make sure that I am completely loving this right now. Because who knows what the yeah. next the next hole is going to be like? You know what I mean? <laughs> Using that analogy, I definitely yeah, I definitely appreciate it more. Like because I remember yeah, when we, there were no shows because of the COVID, yeah. I was just like, like I was like, oh well, I'm a I'm a stand up comedian. And then when it came back and there were these little horrible gigs, yeah. um, I was like, well, I've got to go. I've been telling people that I'm a stand up comedian. Like I've got to go <laughs> back and work. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. like. I mean, I'll just ride out this new wave. If we get cancelled again and we're back down, or like, I'll That's just, that, I guess I signed up for this. For me, job. I think I said this on the podcast was reframing and understanding what it was that I loved about stand up and truly getting to the core of what it was that I loved about it. Like, I spent last year working on it and I discovered really what it comes down to is I love talking about myself and I found a way oh, to. Yeah. I found a way to monetize that. So if that's all it is, <laughs> let me make sure that a if I do talk about it myself, it's worth people listening about, you know. And but also make it making sure that you know it's not necessarily the only format that I get to do it in. You know what I mean? But it's a podcast, totally. writing my own fucking journal or whatever. And the reframing yeah. is great, deal, and you're really good at it. And and I've only been doing it recently again, where it's people go, well, what would you do if it does go to a lockdown again? And the big thing for me is I've come out COVID a way better dad than I was before it. So it's yeah. just amazing that when you come back out, it's like, you know, I, I thought I was a good dad. I thought I was present. But now it's like when I come out of it, what I learned in COVID about my children, about my parenting, about how we work together as a team, I don't think, you know, I think we may have got there, but it would have taken a fair few years where now like I'm so more in sync with what my partner wishes, what my kids wants are that, you know, if we go lockdown again, I'm not scared of it. Because last time I was scared, you know, when I was just there going with the kids full time, nonstop. Now it's just like, oh, actually, I know what I'm doing. I know what I need to do next. And also, it's fun. That bit I forgot that it was going to be once I realised yeah, right. we weren't going to be financially ruined. And it's nice to think back to that. Because now the weird thing about it is because we're doing this all, 
uh, my kids are now getting nostalgic of the time we were in lockdown. Really? They miss it? Well, because they were spending more time with you guys. Yeah, and so they were just like, you know, we're at school holidays at the moment, which is crazy with festival on. But, you know, they were like, like my daughter actually said this. She goes, Daddy, do you remember that day we wrote up that timetable? But then we went to the Merry Creek and then we ran out of time because it was so much fun and we didn't even do the last two things on our timetable. I was like, that is just, I love it that you're thinking that. That that is a fond memory of, of being in the middle of a pandemic rather than the horrible parts of the pandemic. Yeah. That's so um, interesting. Do you guys think you're funnier? I know this is pretty boring stuff for your listeners, mm-hmm. but do you think you came back funnier from after the um, uh, pandemic? I would say for me personally, it's I don't know if I'm funny. I'm getting bigger laughs, and I for me, I attribute it to being more comfortable on stage, more grateful on stage, and also just more um, just more accepting that this is for me like a pure joy like i've taken the the incessant obsession that i still you know have in open mics or whatever but for say the solo show for me i treat it like a party every night and for me that has meant that the shows have gone better so in that sense yes funnier but i don't think it's necessarily a reflection of the material improving or anything like that yeah right okay Uh, that's interesting you lomas well, the thing I've noticed is I feel like after we went through and the fact that I'm still doing this on the other side with this, with the, you know, with the young family, the sense that I'm more grateful, I've also realised I'm a hell of a lot more true to myself on stage than I was previously. Right. And I think that's, for me, that's a big winner, like where I am at my career and what opportunities may lie ahead. It's just those moments where I'm like, oh, mate, this week I'm getting paid to do what I like and also... You know, now I feel more comfortable taking risks because in the end, I mean, it could be taken away. So why not have a crack here or there? And I and I think you know, you know, in, like like golf. To go back to the analogy, consistency is everything. And for me, I've always said that in comedy. It's like if you want to be good, you've got to be consistent as well. But also, you've got to take risks. Like if if it's a par four and it's a dog leg and you're on the drive, then you want to just go over those trees rather than hitting two shots to the green. I think I'm more like that now that I would rather have a bang right across the trees, have a go because, you know, who knows, not, might not be able to play next week. Yes, yeah, slow mass. Take on the dog leg. I love that Take analogy. On the dog leg. That's great. <laughs> What about you, Tons? Do you feel like you've gotten funny after the year? Um, maybe similar to Lomas. I think funnier probably, but I also think just more, um, I think more fun because I'm like, I'm so glad that this is back. Um, once I got past the negativity about like, what was me being like, it was all taken away from me. Cause I was genuinely, yeah. I was like, this has felt personal when everything, got <laughs> like how much of an egomaniac I was, yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. things were going so well. And then I was like, how could this happen? But yeah. um, then once it came that I felt like, yeah, I was so, yeah, I felt, I felt like I was, I don't know if I was funnier, but maybe because I was more excited and uh, more, you know, and I think I cared less about what people thought because I was just right. excited to the be back. And I think, shift. Yeah, and I think in turn that has made me had, have more fun and probably be funnier, yes. But yeah, I've been asking yeah. a lot of people that question and a lot of people have similar responses to that um, or they think they've come back um, a little bit funnier maybe. Yeah, I uh... – and, and so, again, then to tie this all up, because we're coming at the pointy end of it, and it would have been great if we got to your gym routine and your eating routines and stuff. Oh, but this has been sorry, more... guys. No, 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 no. It's not too boring. Golf no, is so no. no, no. This I is could far talk more about it for another could... two hours. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dill, but... you drop off this and make a <laughs> No, but going back to, let's call it what you called it, which is your failure in becoming a pro golfer, <laughs> um, what are the 
takeaways or the the how do you say the failure aspect of it that you now have a better approach to comedy with like is there a version of you realizing that oh i like really like golf now because it's i've taken the competitiveness out of it and then uh, whereas because i look at comedy and comedy has an element that is competitive because we're all kind of like there's not a lot of spots going around necessarily but at the same time it's just you we all can have a bigger pie like it's not like we're actually you know just because like if we're on the same lineup, we're all trying to crush as hard as we can. But really, overall, we're not competing with each other. We're all kind of playing our own kind of instruments, right? So what are the ones that you've kind of like from the failure, not necessarily from the sports psychology and stuff, but that moment of walking away from golf, have there been anything that you said, okay, if I'm going to go into comedy, this is what I need to be, uh, you know, mindful of, of this is the, some of the pratfalls that I had in in golf that I want to try and avoid in comedy well I just think it like set me up um to be a bit more mentally stable than uh some other people in comedy because it's like <laughs> I've experienced the tr- extreme what I call competitiveness right of yeah. like playing a sport at a high level and I know people don't say golf is a sport or whatever but like the competitive part of it is like incredibly high end so it's like I don't really buy into too much of the competitiveness in comedy where a lot of people do because I'm like, this is right. not, this is not really competition. I, do you know I what you. I mean? When you've so seen like, that level, this is fucking nothing. Yeah, when you want the other person to fail so badly so you can get ahead, it's like that is just not happening um, in, yeah. in comedy. So I think from that, and then the other thing is like having walked away from something that I was really um, into, like I think it's helped when like, um, you know, like Josh, jobs have ended like you know when you're doing some kind of media job that you really like and that's ended or you don't get a big gig or whatever i think you can just take um the the, the I, I think i'm just in a better position to take it all from having all that stuff happen like doing a lot of competitive stuff experiencing failure and experiencing it like regularly like losing regularly you know you win but losing regularly as well yeah. and i think that has all put me in a pretty good space yeah i'm still a nutcase like everyone else but like i think but you're better those than are the you things that yeah, in hindsight, looking back, I think that that was a pretty good foundation to have coming in. Yeah. To um. To but I really like that because there's a concept called that uh, this guy Nasib Taleb, who's a book called Anti Fragile, which is like the opposite of it's like different to resilient resilience because anti fragile. So fragile means you break at the just biggest yeah. sign of adversity. Uh, resilience or robustness is the breaking point is further down the track, whereas anti fragile is the more negativity you have, the more stronger you get. So a good example that they use is, you know, those Vikings or whatever from Val who believe that if they die in battle, they're going to go to Valhalla, the heaven, the ultimate goal. So how the fuck are you meant to fight someone who is excited about dying in battle? Right. Mm. So they are going to only get stronger with more adversity. They're like, fuck yes, they're coming with bigger ships. So that concept to me is that it feels like when you're talking about dealing with failure in golf, it actually strengthened you to deal with failure in the future because you know that no matter what happens, you'll still bounce back in a, in a different way. Yeah. I feel like that's pretty much bang on. Yeah. That really kind of has been a mindset in, um, in a lot of it. Definitely. And also there's one thing which I just made me realize as well. It's a lot of people when they do something and they, and they fail at it, they don't actually want to be part of it, but you've actually done the opposite. The one thing that you were going at it and say what you failed. Now you get to play on a regular basis and absolutely love it more than when you did before. Oh, totally. And I think it's like, I think it would have happened regardless, you know, like I think it, I got in like, and it's all worked out. Now I'm doing something that I really, I think I like what I do now more than I ever liked doing that. And, yeah. um, and then I still have the good aspect of that, which I can do all the time. So to me, it's ended up being in, 
Like it's being, I feel like, you know what? And I think a lot of people come to comedy after doing something first. Like you did accounting, do you, you're a planner. It's like you have to do something at a high level, I think, to go. Well, you don't have to, but I do think a lot of people come to it from doing something else and then that frames the way they do something. I'm lucky enough that I can still do the other thing. Like I can still play golf and now my mindset to that is so much healthier than it ever was before. So. Yeah. Um, do, yeah. do you because do, I've like I do I'm doing urban planning I'm representing a mate of mine at VCAT and it's kind of funny because at the moment now I don't want to do urban planning but when a mate's asked me to stick up for him against the developer I'm like oh this is fun like yeah. this I get to do this I get That's to use totally. that part of my brain again that I haven't used before and I'm at in front of council asking them questions making them squirm and and like, a friend of mine is like Ben I thought you hated town planning I was like yeah but this is fun this is oh. like this, this I'm enjoying this part like I to do my that's, performance that's exactly what golf is to me. that's exactly the th- the same thing it's so fun from that you like cosplaying as a person you used to be and also taunts when you play with your friends you get to play skins and i know when we play yes. we'll definitely play 10 bucks a hole thinking i've got a chance to take 50 bucks off you oh if no, we we played skins, I can't. tell your kids they're not eating for a few weeks if we play skins <laughs> i'll take you for all you've got uh, my equivalent of that is I, I don't do any accounting, but I do pay my old boss to do my tax for me now. <laughs> so um, so all right. Good. Well, Sam Taunton, that was so incredible. No, what a, what a lovely, lovely. Oh, thanks for having golf. me. Um, mate, get, uh, where are your shows? This is coming out today, today? I believe, yeah. Ben, if we can get it out. Oh, so that's yeah. Friday the 16th of April. But uh, you've got yeah, weekend we'll shows at the Comedy Festival, 740 at the Melbourne Town Hall. The show is called Rooster. Yeah, Sunday's the only one with. Oh, they just put out extra seats actually, so I think there might be some tickets. Sunday, there's no, there's a lot of tickets. Any other festivals or what? uh, Sydney, 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 and then who knows? Really, Uh, I'm doing heaps of Sydney, and then I don't know what happens. What's the best place for people to find stuff for of yours? Just uh, go to my Instagram, um, Sam Taunton at Sam Taunton, or just Google me, and my website will come up. Um, I know. Yeah. Any side hustles like pods or anything with Tim? Yeah, I've got a podcast with Tom Cashman. Um, It's called The Good Stuff. Um, Please listen. If you guys are ever in Sydney, I'd love you guys to jump on. Well, I'll be there next Saturday, my friend. Let's do a podcast episode. No, thanks. I only do a professional podcast. Uh, Coming from this, the worst sound quality, recorded on an iPhone in a closet. Um, um, Thank you for having me. Lomas, as I've told you before, my girlfriend, big fan, huge fan of you. Oh, what is this? We didn't hear this. Because well, my my girlfriend works ITV and has seen Lomas do some of the greatest. Oh. She describes it as like magic, seeing <laughs> seeing you like control these audiences of like um the voice or whatever it is. Or Mate, um, this doesn't get talked about enough. Sorry to, to divert the topic, but um the amount of people that talk about Ben your warm up work as being so far ahead compared to the the other people in the industry in the warm-up world it's amazing the number of people that i you know obviously i meet like you know hair and makeup people or whatever they all talk about how amazing you're at that job it is crazy isn't it she was was telling me that it's like um everyone is nervous on the shoot days um but then they're like if lomas is in they're like oh god at least it's going to be okay right it's like it's a pretty big rap what a fucking utility that's amazing 
and your girlfriend, and and and, and that's because I've worked a lot in Sydney, and so all those uh, all those amazing because uh, it's hard work. A lot of people who work on television in Sydney, it's all reality, so there's a lot of pressure, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of angst uh, in the studio. But once it gets started, it, it's kind of fine. And for me, I I don't know. I do still like doing it. Uh, but also it's like that same thing. It's like, you know, like last night I had to warm up the crowd at Q&A. Well, that's the opposite to a reality show. Mm. <laughs> so, so, How did that go? Were they a bit uh, stiff? Uh, they were a bit stiff, but it was fine. Uh, it was fine. But it was the same thing where it's like all the crew were like, well, this is going to be interesting. Uh, well, some of them were old enough to be stiff and as it literally said, <laughs> both records. Uh, it's, a, it's an interesting show. But, um, yeah. That all that amazing crowd uh Pumping up skills, you can see Ben at the Imperial Hotel with Josh Earl. Uh, I saw the show a couple of nights ago. It's a really good fun, apparently, especially at the end where you do your questions from the crowd. It's a lot so of fun. I loved it. And, and you can uh, check out me at the Comedy Festival uh, with Victorious Lion or next week uh, at the Sydney Comedy Store. I'm doing two shows, one at 5.40 and one at 8.20. Uh, tickets from uh, my you know, Instagram, Diruk J. Otherwise, in Brisbane, I'll be back in Brisbane. I think it's either June or July. I get those J's confused. Oh, I'm, but, doing, uh, I'm going at that. Yeah, I'm doing that as well, Brisbane Comedy Yeah, Festival. nice. Do you so have you love this show? I, I've called a show back in Brisness. Get it? Oh. Because we're okay. dead. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, am I doing comedy? You tell me. Oh, my God. You know that question when I said, are you funnier after COVID or not? I think that just answered itself. <laughs> Uh, very good. Oh, my uh, my laptop, my Zoom just said a pop up thing going playing music, confusing when pushing for your punchline. It found it was musical. Oh. Very good. Uh, before right. before we go as well, just a, a big shout out, uh, Patreon listeners. Uh, your episodes are still coming, and again, if you want to join to get ah. the new two bonus episodes, it's five dollars a month. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Uh, we've got two pods coming out uh, very 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 soon. Uh, but Sam, uh, one more thing before uh, we go. If it's a short par four and you're three metres away from the green and it's flat and the hole's at the back, uh, are you using a wedge to chip it up or are you using a seven iron for a chip and roll to the hole? Oh, great question. How far am I? Three metres off the green yep. and it's flat yep. and the pin's out the back. Yep. I'll probably use a nine iron. Yeah, I wouldn't hit a sandwich. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, you've heard it here first. <laughs> no, no, there you go. That's a, what I, everyone would be like. That's the most useless bit of information of all time to end a podcast on. I, I just quit comedy. Up. Yeah. Well, then oh, it was wow. pretty. It was a pretty good question, then. Like, not <laughs> it, it did work out there. Uh, all right, thanks, buddy. That was amazing. Thank hey, thanks, so guys. Thank you so Take much, care, everybody. See you. I'll, I'll see show. you guys soon. Thanks, boys, for having me. See you.